Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to our Supply Chain Now live stream today. Greg White and Scott Luton here with you broadcasting live from the World Championship City of Atlanta, GA, Greg. There you go. I like that. Yeah, it feels good to say it, doesn't it? You know, we could speak for the next two weeks around this season and more importantly, what this championship means for this franchise and this city. Uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It is. And I think, you know, first of all, you're a long time, long suffering and long term uh, Braves fan. So congratulations to you and Clay and everyone who has been basically a lifetime fan of the Braves. But I got to tell you, the players really got it right. I think we all know. Well, many, many people know Atlanta's whatever you want to call it, hurdle, even when they get to championship games. It's been a minute since we won one in any sport. And um, I think a lot of people not only were really encouraged as sports fans, but as members of the Atlanta community. And I think it's incredible how uplifting it is. And the players get that. They get how important it is to people's identity as Atlantans. So very well said. Very cool. Well said, Greg. I'm, I'm I'm glad you just shared that because that really hits the um, hits right on the nose. So big, we're celebrating for the next several days, weeks, years, you name it. Uh, the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series, and uh, but for today's conversation, I promise you it's not going to be all about baseball and the Braves. We have got one of our favorite and most popular editions uh, of our live stream, Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow, with the one and only Mike Griswold from Gartner. So today, Greg, we're going to be talking about key takeaways from the recent. Gartner uh, Supply Chain Symposium Expo right. 2021 for the Americas. So another opportunity to optimize that supply chain IQ, right? It seems like we were just talking about Expo for last year, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's kind of flown by the last 12 months. And I hear a lot of that too, people particularly <laughs> talking about October, but I think 2021 has flown by kind of the way we wish that previous year that shall not ever be mentioned. We wish it had flown by. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, uh, so join us as uh, Mike Griswold would join us here in about 10 minutes. So looking forward, always looking forward to his perspective. Uh, when His appearances, usually we get the most feedback uh, or at least as much feedback about a lot of the things we do here. So get ready for that. But as we mentioned, we're going to say hello to a few folks in just a minute. But as we mentioned, yes, we're celebrating our Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. And by the way, folks, we can never we're supply chain nerds. So everything is viewed through the supply chain prism. And so even yeah. last night as Jorge Soler hit that home run, I shared that that home run ball, which went out of the park, went further than many container ships did yesterday. And the beautiful thing there, Greg, this is on Facebook. The beautiful thing is look how many people got that joke because now they know <laughs> what supply chains do and what containers right. are. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And actually, my next door neighbor uh, pointed out that there is a flyover over Kennesaw, the national NOAA national, uh, whatever it is, right, <laughs> has identified that Jorge Soler, Soler's home run is about to fly over Kennesaw, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Should be landing soon. I love that. I wish I'd gotten that text from you earlier because I would have worked that one in as well. <laughs> but true. folks, uh, kidding aside, uh, this is really, you know, Thank you for letting us have a little fun, but it really is cool to see how just how aware consumers are now that you know these yeah, last no eighteen months have happened. So, okay, really quick, we want to invite you to a couple of events. We've got November ninth uh, next week, supply chain of twenty twenty two and beyond, all about resiliency and agility with Laura and Madov. Join us for that. And hey, if you watch the World Series, you saw Cooper everywhere. So uh, the right. link, <laughs> right? The right. link to that is in the, the show notes. And we have a new new webinar, Gregory, new webinar. 
Yeah. Uh, supply chain is a team sport. Lead your team to victory with a cloud native TMS. How about that, Greg? Well, it's fantastic. Cloud native, I, I think people think of that as a catchphrase, but the true differentiation of a cloud technology is, is immutable and never-ending power. Basically, it, it allows you to process so much more of the data-rich environment that we have so much more quickly. It's a game changer for literally a game changer. <laughs> in, in a real sense, words overused all the time, but that's true. Yeah, I agree with you. It really is a practical, transformational game changer. Join us with our friends at Manhattan Associates. By the way, Bob and Greg, they won't disappoint. They're not only well informed and experts, but they're, they've got a great sense of humor. So join us for that on November 18th at 12 noon. And then finally, before we say hello to a few folks and really enjoy, uh, let us know if you've if, if you already commented, make sure you let us know where you're tuned in from. We love to kind of connect the dots on folks tuning in, especially uh, from a global perspective. Finally, Greg, this show here today is produced in partnership with our friends at Azul Arc, who designed our stunning, yes, we got that feedback, our stunning new website, yeah. supplychainnow.com. Uh, Azul Arc is a leader in experience, uh, user experience design, the good old UX, right? And development of websites, but not just websites, custom supply chain software. Uh, you can learn more uh, with, about Zahir and his uh, top-notch team at azularc.com. And, you know, Greg, my, one of my favorite things about the new site is the library function. Every site you go to these days has a search function. Some of them are sure. far more powerful than others. That library function, you can put in one or two words, and it searches our entire inventory of close, if not over, a 1,000 podcasts and to, to find the show you're looking for. Yeah, and anything on it, kind of a topic, right? If you just want to know, if you just want to hear about containers, right? It, I mean, it, you can just throw keywords in there and, and see what comes up and kind of scroll through the shows that you want to, you know, you want to look at and, and learn about certain topics. Yeah, it's fantastic. And great for the inattentive. Right. <laughs> That's right. Great for the inattentive. Um, but check out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. And plus, Zahir is a great guy. Uh, he joined us for a live stream not too long ago and talked about his uh, culinary exploits, which is one of the things we're going to talk about momentarily with the one and yes, only sir. Greg, Mike uh, Griswold. All right. So, Greg, we've got to say hello to a few folks. Let me switch some things around here so it's a little bit easier to share some of these comments. So, Tara Brown is with us, and she is tuned in, Greg, from New York City. I wonder what the weather's it like up there. You know, I just realized, having gone to Kansas City this weekend, that it's it's getting to winter in the rest of the world, right? I mean, we we're sort of protected from it till about the end of December here. But <laughs> well, Tara, let us know how cold it is up there. Great to see you here today, uh, Adawu from Nigeria. Hello, welcome to us via LinkedIn. Look forward to hearing your perspective today. And folks, just to give you a little sneak peek. Again, we're going to be talking about key takeaways from the recent Gartner Supply Chain Symposium and Expo focused on the Americas. But we're also going to be talking about uh, what business leaders are doing. What are they planning, the usual, and maybe some surprising stuff for 2022. So get your POV ready. Gene Pledger is back with us from northern Alabama. But he's in Chicago today. So he says, go Braves. How about that, Greg? Yeah, well, and stay tuned, Gene, because we're going to be talking about where you are shortly. Scott doesn't even know why yet. <laughs> So, Gene uh, and, and Amanda, and big thanks, uh, Ali, Jada, and Amanda behind the scenes helping production happen today. If y'all would find, using that library function we talked about, the search function, find Gene's appearance on Supply Chain is Boring and drop that in the comments. Gene tunes in all the time, and he gave a great interview with Chris Barnes not too long ago. Very boring. It is. <laughs> Very boring. Uh, Arrestus from Kenya. Uh, and if I, if I mispronounce that, let us know how to say it right. It's so important to get names right. Uh, great to have you here today via LinkedIn. Looking forward to your perspective. Greg, we have Adida Mola. Adida Mola, perhaps. Good. I guess, why, yeah. Uh, we try. We try. You know, my kids' names still throw me for a loop from time to time. Uh, so let us know if we get it wrong. But, hey, she is a master's in supply chain student. Oh, no, master's student in logistics and supply chain management at the University of Hull in the, the UK. How about that, Greg? That's fantastic. Uh, you know, that, you know, I think we sometimes forget about schools outside the States. We do, of course. But there are some fantastic 
organizations and schools outside of the U.S. making waves in supply chain education. Agreed. So thank you. So many more than when you and I started. Uh, <laughs> a lot anywhere. more. And that's a beautiful thing, too. So thanks yeah. so much for tuning in. Looking forward to hearing your perspective. We've got Eric with us. from. He's local from Duluth, Georgia. Great to see you. It is a gorgeous day here today. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Sophia's back. Two days in a row, she says, hoping to keep up the streak. Greg, Sophia is one of our faves, right? Yeah, no doubt. We just need to make sure it's actually Sophia and not her sister, right? Because I think <laughs> they, they can do that. That's when, right. Double trouble. Yeah. But great to see you, Sophia. Looking forward to your perspective here today. Always a pleasure. I'm not sure who this LinkedIn user is. Let us know if you can. You know, sometimes, folks, if you if you comment on LinkedIn and it doesn't share your name or your profile, it's just a security setting that uh, you have the option of going in and fixing on your profile. Yeah. So um, this user says, hello from Minneapolis, St. Paul. Congratulations on the Braves win. That out-of-the-park home run. Wow, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Literally out-of-the-park. I'm sure there's somebody out there with a broken windshield today cursing <laughs> Jorge Soler. You know? Right. That is, and that's Colleen is, uh, as the folks on the production team. Let me know. So Colleen, thanks so much for joining us here today. I'm going to shoot through a couple of these really quick. And so we can get to our uh, interview today. Josh, hello from Seattle. Great to have you here. Looking forward to your perspective. Tara says it's really chilly in New York City, as you might expect. And Sophia says it's both of us. We've got oh, good. <laughs> so- Sophia has in- introduced her sister, Andrea, into into supply chain and she is kind of a fan that's right <laughs> what well, fan an ambassador for the industry yeah, and yeah. gosh i love to read her analysis when she attends an event or speaks at an event or what have you i love her her recap so sophia you're doing great work for industry and all of us here so on that note greg speaking of an ambassador for for global supply chain mike griswold is has got that in in oh, truckloads yeah. So we ready to bring him on? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in our featured distinguished guests here today. I want to welcome in Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Hey, hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, everybody. I doing great. You know, I was I always love the the talk you guys have beforehand. I and I and I know I'll mess this up, but we did a show a couple of months ago on movie oh, quotes. Yeah. There's a line in Bull Durham about a home run that leaves the park. And I think Kevin Costner said, the only park it would have stayed in is Yellowstone. So, and <laughs> I forgot I, about that. I, I know that's not quite exactly, but the spirit is that, yes, yes, Scott, that ball is still traveling. It is. That's right. <laughs> this just in. Yeah, exactly. Air Force One reroute. That's right. <laughs> Uh, right on the money, Mike. Appreciate you sharing. And, and it, I tell you, uh, such a delight to watch that game, especially after game five yes. when we didn't clinch at home. We all, as, as, as Atlanta Braves Nation, we all kind of had some thoughts about what was coming next. But, man, that was just awesome. So before we get to the heavy lifting, speaking of, and, and folks, I promise you we're not going to uh, talk too much more about the Atlanta Braves here today. <laughs> not too but, much more. Not too much, but we had a fascinating, and yes, fascinating, anything with food is fascinating, especially if it's real, pre-show conversation around sandwiches and chicken wings. So we're going to save the chicken wings discussion. Maybe maybe we'll wrap that around the Super Bowl edition in January. But Mike, today is National Sandwich Day. And so Greg and I chatted a lot about this on Monday on The Buzz. We got a ton of great perspective from folks in Skyboxes, and we want to know your favorite sandwiches, folks that are tuned in. But Mike... Question is for you, what is your favorite sandwich and where do you get it? Yeah, well, first of all, Scott, I don't know how you find all these day things, right? Every time I come on, it's a new day of whatever. So there must be a glossary or something somewhere where you're keeping track of all this. So kudos for you for keeping track of all this. So I'll be very interested, given the diverse nature of our audience, if anyone else has an affinity for this sandwich. So growing up in Western New York, we have this sandwich called a beef on wick, which is basically thinly shaved roast beef, usually served warm, a little bit of a light au jus sauce. But what makes it is the roll. It is a Kimmelwick roll, which is basically a big roll with salt on top. And I, I, the only place I can get it is when I go back home and see my parents. There's a little, the town still has a drive-in, if you would believe it. It's actually one of the 
the more famous drive-ins in all of New York State because it's only one of the few that's left. Hmm. But there's a place called the Charco Corral. It sits on a little lake. And, you know, it started as an ice cream place. Now it's a big restaurant. And that's where I go get my beef on wick when I go see my parents. Beef on wick. So yes. is it, I mean, is it, it must obviously a local thing, but. Wow. Well, it's, it's the role. Was it invented um, there or is uh, it a variation? It's, yeah, it's, it's a Western New York thing, Greg, but it really comes down to the, to the role because the role has kind of a, not a sesame seed, but it's got like a darker seed and salt. And it's that combination mm. of the roll and the roast beef that is just, I, I can't, I can't find it anyplace else. And it's, and I'm sure people, you know, when you find your food from, from where it grew up and you have that same thing someplace else, it's never the same, yeah, right? Never. It just, it just never is. So yeah, beef on wick. I love that. And really quick, and Greg, I'm gonna I got a question for you. But beef on wick is actually spelled W-E-C-K, right? Exactly. And secondly, <laughs> I'm looking on Wikipedia here. It said <laughs> that a local pub owner is said to have used the roll to create the beef, uh, beef on wick with the thought that the salty top of the roll would encourage his patrons to purchase more drinks. There you oh, go. So how how does that? it work, Mike? Yeah, it, it works. Trust me. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so uh, that's so I'm gonna check out beef on Wick. But Greg, yeah. so we asked about your favorite sandwich Monday, and that was the egg salad egg sandwich. But different question for you: What is the best sandwich you've had at a ballpark? I know you do a lot of traveling, mm. of course, with the Kansas City Chiefs and others. What's your favorite Italian beef sandwich at Wrigley Field? So not not dissimilar to a beef on wick. It's got a little bit of au jus sauce. It's thinly sliced beef. It's on a, a hoagie roll as they, you know, to put it in New York terms, yep. Mark. but uh, it's a fantastic sandwich. It's really famous and often done around, um, around Chicago. If you can't get to a cub Cubs game and get it the best, not just sandwich, but experience for an Italian beef sandwich in Chicago is Mr. Beef where when he was coming up as a stand-up comedian, oh my God, I totally forgot his name, the chin. Uh, <laughs> uh, Leno? So, oh, uh, Jay Leno. Jay Leno, yeah. Slept in the back of the place with a cot. And it's one of those places where it's kind of like the Varsity Scott, except much more profane. You better be ready to order or you will literally be cursed out. And I've seen people thrown out for not being ready Cursed at wow. and thrown out for not being ready to order. But I'm telling you, the sandwich is worth the abuse. I'm going there next. We're going there next, uh, Mr. Beef. Well, hey, speaking one last little tidbit about sandwiches, and we're going to move forward, is uh, as we learned, we published a whole podcast on sandwiches and the sandwich industry on This Week in Business History this past Monday. And one of the things I learned there is the there's a sub U.S. Navy sub base in Groton, Connecticut, right? Mm -hmm. And they placed an order back during World War II for a lot of uh, hero sandwiches from a local sandwich shop. Well, that coin, that, that restaurant started calling those sandwiches for the sub base subs. And that's where that term oh, originated. No oh, How cool nice. is that? Uh, nice. Yeah. So you never know. You, you never, you make a bunch of assumptions around where this term came from or what goes on a beef on weck or what Mr. Beef's all about. It is really fascinating. Well, why hoagie versus, versus sub? Now I totally get it. Right. Yeah, I'm kidding. Or grinder. Right. Yes. Some yeah. places call them grinders, <laughs> yeah. which I don't uh, even want to know how we got to that name. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll find out. How about that? Michael Avra, good afternoon, Scott. Sorry I was running behind. Had a great time celebrating the Braves win. Nice. I'm with you. That, that put a lot of people behind today. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food, Gene is doing Harry Carey's restaurant yeah. tonight. Bone-in ribeye. Well, think of y'all, he says. Thanks so much, Gene. <laughs> All right, so that uh, enough fun. We got to get to the heavy lifting. What what folks signed up uh, to to hear us talk about and learn from Mike, and that is the 2021 Gartner Supply Chain Symposium Expo, focused on the Americas market. And and just like last time, Mike, we focused on the EMEA version of the event. Your last appearance with us. Mm -hmm. Now we want to hear kind of your key takeaways from the latest uh, that focus more on the Americas market. So where do we start there, Mike? 
Yeah, first I want to I want to thank anyone who who came to the event. We had about 3900 people registered, which is fantastic for a virtual event. I did a session with REI and Starbucks on mm-hmm. SNOP and SNOE. They had almost 250 people wow. um, virtually. So I want to thank anyone and everyone who might be joining us today that took the time to go to our event. I uh, really appreciate that. To your question, Scott and Greg, I think what I want to focus on today is really the big takeaway from the Gartner keynote. So we had two of my colleagues, Dana Stifler and Simon Bailey, talk about this idea of people, profit, and planet. That was the overarching theme of our event. And I want to start maybe with the people, profit, and planet piece first, and then maybe see where we go from there. But I also want to talk a little bit about the profit piece in in a little bit more detail, because I think it's important. It's an important context for us, maybe for, for our time together. So, and I think the reason that I want to focus on that is I think from, and this will be a generalization, but I think here in the States, we have a little bit more work to do than maybe some other parts of the world in terms of acknowledging and recognizing and putting plans into place around how our supply chain can support those three areas. So if I start with the profit piece, right, that's pretty straightforward. Organizations are in business to make money, and I get that. But one of the things we talked about is the, is the impact that striving just for profit can have not only in our supply chain, but our other constituents. And one of the things we talked about is this idea of sustainable profitability and this idea that we can chase chase short-term profit at the expense of lots of natural resources. And I would suggest that includes our people resources as well. So we talked about how do you think about this maybe a little bit more long-term? And I'll go through that in a little bit more detail when I talk about the three types of profit that that we're talking about in, in researching and writing about. The second is people. And we've had, I think, a lot of really good conversations, just us together in this forum, about the impact on people over the last uh, 12 to 18 to maybe even 24 months. We did a survey uh, and 55% of the respondents, which is a very scary and sad number, 55% of the respondents said they had personally experienced some type of bad health occurrence over the course of the pandemic. Wow, 55%? 55%. Wow. That could be everything from, from physical to mental to you know friends and family but that's a lot of people that are that have been impacted and as an organization as a supply chain how do we recognize that and deal with what is arguably our most important resource which is people couple that with you know the work we still need to do from a DEI perspective and that people component is is really important uh, and then lastly the planet and, you know, I think if, if you listen to the keynote, th- there's things that I'm sure people didn't just that people did not agree with relative to kind of how we got to the situation that we're in today. And, you know, depending on on what scientists you want to talk to or read, there's different perspectives around kind of what our future looks like. I think there's very little debate, though, that there are things we need to start doing now relative to things like, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, things like plastics. Um, I'm sure everyone has seen the stat. I think it's by 2025, there'll be more plastic than fish in the ocean. I mean, those types of things that while the supply chain may not directly control, we certainly have an influence. And when I think about those three areas, people, profit, and planet, and I think about the role that the supply chain plays in all three of those, it was just, I think, a great topic for us to kick off our our, uh, event. And I think it's a great topic for us to talk about, you know, amongst ourselves, but also get get perspectives from from the people that took the time out to join us today. So those are the three big things, Scott and Greg, that I'll at least start with. Love that. Powerful framework. Uh, yeah. Greg, I want to come to you when you hear people profit and planet. Uh, it's going to be tough to to give that uh, a go in you know 30 minutes time frame here today. But what comes to mind and what, what Mike just shared? I think about, you know, the old economic term, enlightened self-interest, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I think ultimately I believe that <clears throat> for a company specifically, everything comes back, you know, follow the money, right? Everything comes back to making the company profitable and sustainable as a company. And I think companies are more and more recognizing this notion of conscious capitalism, right? Which our friend Enrique Alvarez, he went to a, an entire conference about conscious capitalism, but about this enlightened self-interest of if you want to make your company sustainable, make your company sustainable, right? I mean, if you want the company to be long-term and you want it to engage appropriately with its constituencies like employee, like employees and now consumers who are ever so much more aware of the sustainability and the good good and bad actors in commerce, then make your company more sustainable, right? Use use the right kinds and fair labor, fair trade practices, stay away from conflict minerals, and of course, global sustainability, right? Sustainability in terms of the environment. So it makes me think of that. It's a concept that I think is, uh, you know, what Mike is describing is just a next layer down from this notion of conscious capitalism or, or enlightened self-interest. And it's a guideline to how to accomplish that. And I think that's really important for companies. Well said, Greg. Okay. So Mike, where are we starting with the people, profit, and planet? Why don't we start with the profit piece? Because I think if I pick up on what you know, Greg just talked about, I think it's when organizations think about kind of why are they here, right? Profit tends to be you know one of the things that that comes up. And what we've started to to look at and started to talk to people about are really three types of profit: this idea of durable profit, holistic profit, and resilient profit. And really, what that does is it takes people, planet, and profit to that next level. And it, and it makes you ask yourself, okay, to what lengths are we willing to go to make a profit? And I think what we're finding is organizations are, are taking somewhat of a step back and saying it no longer can be profit at all costs. It needs to be profit from the standpoint of, you know, what are we – taking from and giving back to our ecosystem, right? Let's think of this as an ecosystem because Greg mentioned very appropriately, you know, our ecosystem, we used to think of it as just shareholders, right? And Wall Street, if we were a publicly traded company. Now we have to think about our associates as constituents and we have to think about the customer slash consumer, however we define him and her, right. right? If I'm a manufacturer, my customer might be a retailer, but I also have to recognize that the end consumer, right, the three of us and everyone else together today, we we make decisions on the physical products we buy through our own decision tree, right? right. For some people, the environmental impact is the number one decision they make. If I go to the other end of the spectrum, other people make decisions based on price, right? So we, as organizations, need to recognize that. And I think the, the big takeaway from our conference is how do we as supply chain professional, professionals enable that balance? That balance between, hey, we, we've got a business to run and we have financial obligations, but how do we do that in a responsible way, both from the resources we consume, the resources we put back. But what I'm finding more and more uh, of a discussion topic is the people side of this. And we've had lots of conversations, even pre-COVID, around things like you know skill set gaps and all that. Right. I saw a story the other day about more and more people, you know, basically coming out of the out of COVID, retiring early. Right. Not so much a, a I forgot the word that they used, but it wasn't basically, you know, people quitting. It was they were retiring early. Right. So we've got this. We're going to face kind of an educational drain out of organizations and expertise drain out of mm -hmm. organizations as people figure out that, you know, there's more to life than than doing X, Y, Z. And and I'm going to take advantage of that from a personal perspective. But then what does that mean to the organization? And how right. do we plan for that from a people side? So if we can interject 
two quick thoughts. Please. Yeah. Uh, number one, I love the sense of purpose that is that's uh, growing and establishing mm-hmm. itself in leadership, global leadership. That's a wonderful development over the last you know, couple of decades. And, you know, it's always been there in some degree, but some of the generations that are hitting the executive suite the, uh, in the last right. um, you know couple of decades is really brought it in truckloads. And then, secondly, to your last point, and Greg, I'd love to get you to comment here. We are facing undoubtedly, especially in global supply chain, uh, the burnout burden. You know, mm-hmm. we have put our workforce, our global workforces, through the ringer to get through these these uniquely challenging times. So we all shouldn't be surprised, you know, between compensation, treatment, other factors, health factors, like Mike just mentioned, 55%. Holy cow. As leaders, we're going to have to um, find a way uh, to, to, to defeat the burnout and, and some of the factors that make that up. Greg, some of your thoughts there. Yeah, I think there are some jobs that just won't come back to humans doing them. I mean, the we, t- we keep using this. This phrase, the dark, the dirty, and the dangerous, but also the repetitive and mundane, I think a lot of those jobs will never be, uh, will never employ humans again. And I think, and this is purely opinion, as if anyone wouldn't know that, um, (laughs) I think that we have reached this crossroads where it's no longer technology is going to take my job, where these incoming generations of workers are like, why isn't technology doing that job? Right. And it, we no longer have to apologize for technology doing certain jobs because the people who are doing them, when we think of the mat, uh, the great resignation, I think the statistics are yeah. point far more to our generation than to the younger generations resigning. It is the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, and the like, who hold all the knowledge that Mike is talking about because they were brought up in industry when you knew stuff because you learned it on the job, not because companies had great training programs. Right. Right. And, and we risk losing a lot of knowledge there. But I do think and I, I think it's important for us to consciously capture that knowledge and deploy that to technology and impart that knowledge to technology to allow them to do the jobs that are dark, dirty, dangerous, or mundane and repetitive and and allow technology to do that and allow humans to do human things, right? That uh, analysis, that rapid analysis of inadequate or inaccurate data to make maybe not life-changing, but impactful decisions in instantaneously. So I think we'll see a lot of that trend. We'll do a lot less apologizing for technology coming into the workplace than than we have even just a year or two ago. Well said, Greg. Yeah. All right. So Mike, uh, let's keep driving here. We've kind of touched on profit. We've touched on people here most recently. Where are we going next? I think let's, let's maybe stay with people just for a moment, because one of the things that, that we've been working on internally at Gardner is how are we going to go back to work and, you know, Mm. how are we going to, you know, help associates decide what's the right work environment for them, right? So we, <clears throat> we've been looking at that a lot internally, and I think that's helped us start to think about how might we advise people going forward for, the, for themselves? How, how, should we, how should they think about going back to work? We saw a stat in another one of our surveys, and I may have mentioned it last time, something like 45 to 47% of people when asked, if I have to go back to the office, what will you do? They said they would quit. So, yes. So the challenge, I think, is we think about this people, profit, and planet is how do you balance the way we think we had generated profit, which is everybody's butt in a seat in an office, right. to now we've got organizations that generated you know, significant profit with people's butts in their own seats, right? right. In their own homes, apartments, wherever it might be. Right. So how do, you, how do you kind of build on that momentum where you were very successful as an organization in a remote environment how do you kind of capitalize on that moving forward as things, quote unquote, you know, get back to normal? So what we're doing, right, is, is we've identified, you know, multiple ways based on people's roles about what the expectation is about coming into an office. And we were, we're very clear on that. 
Mm-hmm. My advice to organizations is, is to reflect on the success that you had and the environment that you had that drove that success and how do you deploy that moving forward. Mm. I think even in retail, when I talk to retailers who who you know never would have envisioned a world where any of them worked remotely, even in retail, I'm finding lots and lots of retailers who are going to you know, worst case, a hybrid approach where you're only in the office one or two days a week. Right. You know, most of the retailers I'm talking to have no plans to make everyone come back to their office five days a week. I think that's really important that organizations find that balance because of the environment and the success they've had, because you you run the risk to Greg's earlier point around knowledge drain. You run the risk if you make everyone come back. And I've seen some of the, you know, the big investment companies and some of those folks, you know, on Wall Street say, yes, everyone will be back in the office and, and that's fine. But I think like with some other things, this kind of draconian mandate is going to cause people more problems than if they look at this a little bit more holistically. Excellent point. We've already seen it cause problems to allegedly progressive technology companies, Google and Facebook yes. demanded that their people come back to the office and they had a mutiny on there. Right. So draconian, such a great word there. Yeah, um, it I, is a great word. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I want to, I'm going to share a couple of comments and then Greg, oh, please. Love for you to respond to what you just heard Mike say there in some of these comments. Sophia says we are currently experiencing that great resignation phase globally. More than 40% of employees are considering quitting their jobs. Right. Colleen says, I think this is Colleen, don't correct me if I'm wrong, um, Amanda. Absolutely agree. Technology is a tool to more efficiently do the job, and it enables employees to work smarter, not harder. Globally, we are in catch-up mode in terms of bringing supply chains into the future by leveraging tech. Well said, Colleen. Um, And then finally, Michael has got a couple of good comments here, but Michael says, supply chain was always a group that worked long and off hours, and now organizations are asking even more from us which does burn people out. I have witnessed it firsthand over the past 12 to 18 months. Well yeah. said, Michael. Right. For sure. Greg, your thoughts. Uh, uh, so many thoughts, but I mean, um, I think that this, this is a great transition. It's an absolute necessity for transition. As Mike has said, as we've said many, many times, we were 2 million practitioners and professionals short going into the pandemic in supply chain with no, prospect of gaining practitioners into the industry. In fact, we were just starting to build momentum of people coming into the industry when the pandemic hit. And I think that there, you know, when you think about, when you think about supply chain, supply chain, when we all came into it, was a brute force industry. It was all about the physical. It was Mm -hmm. all about the lift. It was all about the push, the tug, the whatever. And now it's much, much more a scientific industry. And that science will allow us to identify where brute force is necessary, where technology is necessary, where efficiency and optimization is necessary, right? Where transparency and sustainability are necessary and really has forced us to upskill the entire practice. So I I think that, I think we're in a very, very good place. Also with, with labor rates being where they are and call it whatever you want, labor shortage or whatever, you know, it's something we've been facing for a long time. I think we have finally been presented with the economics, that, that conscious capitalism or, or enlightened self-interest that will get people to automate the jobs that frankly probably should have been automated before, except that generations who took those jobs and didn't want to give those jobs up demanded to retain. And as that, though, that and those generations retire in droves, then you'll have less of that protest that we talked about and will gain a tremendous amount of efficiency and profitability in that aspect of the business. Well, hey, really quick, and Mike, and, uh, Mike I'll come back to you. You know, my when I was in high school uh, working for a car dealership one summer for five bucks an hour washing cars on a hot South Carolina blacktop, right? That was tough work. I can't get my kids... <laughs> to do air conditioned easy. It might be a little bit repetitive work for five bucks an hour these days. And really, of course I'm, I'm tongue in cheek here, but 
there's a little kernel of truth there in terms of what folks want to do these days and what they do not want to do these days. And you were talking about labor rates and, and some of those those preferences, Greg. It's, it's you know, we rub elbows occasionally with business leaders that I don't think have really embraced that for what it truly is at this point in time, Mike. But anyway, let's keep let's keep driving, uh, sticking with people or going to planet yet. Let's go to planet uh, maybe as a as a quick wrap up. If I think about you know the the journey we've been on over the last maybe five to even eight years, if I think about where we were even from a research perspective at Gartner, right? We if we if we rewind the clock maybe even eight to ten years ago, there was this thing called the environment. You know we we were publishing companies were were setting some loose targets basically so they could just check a box and i think there was a time where people were the the external environment the ecosystem was basically looking did you check the box but no one really cared if you actually did anything if i fast forward to today that has completely changed i think there is much more accountability both internally from the associates certainly externally within the ecosystem around what are you doing to or for the planet. I think the supply chain certainly has an incredible role to play in there, to your point, Greg, around, you know, the automation element of that. You know, we're seeing, when I think about the top 25 briefings that I take as part of that role that I have, so many companies were talking about autonomous vehicles, the the growth in their electric fleet. All those types of, of kind of you know greenhouse gas, carbon emission types of things to be focused on. That you know, I think there is a greater awareness and a greater accountability of the impact that an organization and their supply chain has on the planet and has on the environment. You know, we have as part of our top 25 methodology, we have an ESG, environment, environmental, social, and governance component. There's three elements to that, you know, commitment, transparency, and performance, because we feel it's important that you do all three, right? You have to be committed. You have to be transparent about what you're doing, but you also have to actually be doing stuff, right? And, And being able to measure what we're doing. I think my last point, which I think really for me at least hits home and Greg, because you, you play in this area a lot more than I do. The financial community is now recognizing CSR, ESG, there's formal ratings from the financial institutions around how well companies do this. And I think to me, that was kind of the last box to check around, is this going to be sticky? And to me, the answer is yes, it is sticky. And when the financial community gets involved and it becomes important to them, to me, that's kind of the last hurdle that says, if you thought environmental awareness was a fad, forget it. It's not. It it now needs to be a conscious thought in an organization and it has to percolate into the supply chain. Greg? Some firms, some of the firms that I work with have what's called an ESG mandate in in their investment thesis, meaning you must be sustainable. ESG, right? Environmental and social governance, right? But yeah, I mean, that as I always say, follow the money. When the money says you need to do it, yes, right, then you have to do it. And I, I'm glad. And another key word that you put there, Mike, is transparency. It is impossible to hide these days. I am right. so thankful for the transparency from the interest in consumers, the interest in companies, and the ability vis-a-vis data that is provided to be able to expose or at least identify if you don't expose what people are doing you're identifying at least those people who are hiding what they're doing right and i think i cannot believe i'm going to say this scott luton i think the united states federal government has done one of the best things in terms of assuring equity and good actorship among companies they are assuming that if you don't confirm that you're not doing bad that you in fact are. And I think more and more of that spirit, right? This whole, the whole uh, Xinjiang province and using Uyghur slaves to produce goods. If you Mm -hmm. cannot state unequivocally that you're not doing it, they're assuming that you are. And I think that is a safe assumption. I mean, we know why companies like De Beers are so, lack so much transparency in their process of mining diamonds. 
We know why certain companies don't report on ESG. And I think if we want to get real action, we assume that they are, in fact, bad actors, and that will force them to become good actors and provide the transparency that Mike is is talking about. Excellent. It's an inverse, right? It's an inverse risk-reward scenario. If you If you assume they are good actors when they don't report, What's their incentive to report? Right. But if you do the alternative, you essentially force them to do it by assuming that, you know, and and the market safely assuming that they are, in fact, bad actors. That's an interesting twist on the perspective. And lives are at stake. That's what's at stake uh, when it comes to these things. That's right. But all, but. True, but I'm I'm talking specifically about you know the regional slavery that you alluded right. to, Greg, yeah. and yeah. human trafficking, which is closely associated. Folks, uh, if you want to learn more about this, uh, we are partnering with Hope for Justice, which is a global nonprofit, which uh, is is talk about it. it'll blow your mind what that the fact that slavery is incre- is is um, continuing to grow globally in 2021. So check out Hope for Justice. If y'all can drop that link in the comments, if you would, Amanda, it'd be great. All right, we've got to bring this to a close, Mike, because I, I want to – three quick hitters with sure. you, Mike. Three quick hitters <clears throat> before we let you go. I know you've got a, a hard stop here. First quick hitter is when you think about 2022 and you're rubbing elbows with all the business leaders that you do, what's one thing that might surprise you uh, about what they're factoring into their plans for 2022? I, I think it's it's trying to wrap their arms around scarcity. And I think what we're finding is – it encompasses all the things we talked about. Scarcity in today's environment has a broad definition. It certainly is product scarcity, but what we're also quickly finding is a, a capacity scarcity and a resource scarcity. So as people are thinking about 2022, my advice is to think about the availability, think about maybe to Craig's point, the inverse of scarcity, which is the availability of resources. Right. Think about what what do you have access to how comfortable are you that you'll have access to it and use things like SNOP to build contingency plans? Because what I'm finding over the last two years is people that have had the ability to pivot, the ability to be have a little bit more agility than others are the ones that are making out better or have made out better over the last two years than those folks that had had been much more reactive. Yeah, no scarcity, doubt. man. That, that's gonna that's gonna be the word in, in many ways of the yes. months ahead. Just like we've seen it uh, in the in the last uh, 12, 18 months. All right, and I really wish we we could just bolt on another hour here. That alone just deserves a full discussion. As we start to wrap with Mike Griswold with Gartner here, Veterans Day is coming up next week. Mm. So departing all the supply chain discussion here today, Veterans Day is coming up. November 11th. It's a week from uh, tomorrow. Any regular ongoing traditions that you have in the Griswold household? Yeah, there's two. Uh, and my wife is a saint because she puts up with one of these. So <laughs> normally the weekend after Veterans Day is I go through my list of my top five to 10 military movies and I'll watch one of them the weekend after Veterans Day. We, we could have a whole conversation on what my top five military movies are. This we, this weekend after uh, Labor or after Veterans Day will be Lone Survivor. It's one of my oh, favorite man. books of all time. It's it's a really good movie. The other thing, though, I do, I started this a couple years ago, is uh, basketball season has started. I think most people know that I, that I coach. Uh, the practice that we have on Veterans Day, I ask any of the girls if they have parents or family members that were service members. And I take a moment to acknowledge all that uh, with the team. So wow. those are the, those are the two. I really appreciate that. And if I'm, if I'm, my eyes aren't failing me, that shot just over your right shoulder. Is that, mm-hmm. is that you in a, in a team huddle? That was me in a team huddle last year. Yes. That's awesome. I love that. Yep. Well, and more importantly, I love what you just shared there. I think um, yeah. we owe so much, you know, on our oh, veteran, veteran yes. voices, um, podcast that's part of our give forward programming here as we posted our weekly wednesday heroes making it happen collection of good news in the veteran space there's an image of a navy seaman coming back and being reunited with his family including his son who he had not seen oh that was you know a couple months old 
And if that doesn't remind you, that moment where you got families reuniting, uh, yep. uh, you know, that just that hits you in the gut. So I appreciate does. what you do, Mike. Uh, Greg, I got to ask you, what is uh, what's what do you look forward to every Veterans Day? So uh, some years ago, I was made aware of the a number of veteran suicides that occur. Mm. And there was this 22 push-up challenge, 22 yep. push-ups a day for 22 days. Let me tell you, that is a lot of work. And but that is something that I, I have done, not just during that time frame, particularly during that time frame, but tried to do every day. It's And it's a workout. It is literally a workout, but so worthwhile. And it implants in your mind the struggles that veterans have after they have given service to the country. And I think that's an important thing for us to keep in the forefront of our mind. Great point. Agreed. Find a way. Uh, as, as, as you've said here before, uh, find a way. Give small, give big, but just give. And um, I love that sentiment. And we subscribe to it wholly. Uh, completely. A couple comments here. Kelly's Heroes. Uh, this might be Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that show. Christopher, vets are underappreciated. I, I think yeah. you know, I think we've come a long way uh, in the last 20 years, and I would like to think that, but we've got a long way to go uh, to this sentiment here. So Christopher, thanks for calling that out. Bat21, he says, uh, is wow. his favorite. Well, I, um, I, I like that because it, it, it links... Gene Hackman, who I love, Dan, I think Danny Glover, who I like, but it's also the, not to give too much away, but Gene Hackman works his way out of captivity with golf course references. So <laughs> it, it mixes everything that I like, military and golf. It couldn't get better than that. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of uh, not Gene Hackman, but Danny Glover, uh, and, and right before we, we ask, make sure Mike knows, our, our audience knows how to connect with Mike. Uh, of course, his one of his famous lines of all time, Greg, is "I'm get, I'm way too old for this blank." Right. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the World Series, it's been forever since you know I stayed up and watched all those games. I'd completely forgotten. We were talking pre-show, just how long and how late these World Series games go. So it was all worth it. But man, there were a couple of times where I felt like Danny well, Glover. I, I would I would argue that you're in the wrong time zone because it was quite comfortable for me in my right. time. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a valid point, Mike, because point. we got to watch, you know, because me and some friends went to Kansas City, we got to watch the Sunday game in Kansas City, and it was perfectly oh, yeah. pleasant. Mountain right? time we is where it's at. 10, 1030. Yeah. <laughs> Getting your jammies. And- Next that, time we're flying to Idaho. That's my, that's my plug for the mountain time zone. There you go. I like that. Next, uh, our, our next uh, supply chain sponsor, the Mountain Time Zone. Exactly. Right. So Mike, exactly. Mike, I think we ought to start a new Veterans Day tradition, and we can give a big thanks and shout out to our local veteran here, Scott. Yes. Thank you for your service. Thank and you, your Scott. Family service while you were in service, and uh, for all of your friends who are veterans, your support of these of Veteran Voices podcast and and of Vetlana and other initiatives that you support. Really appreciate you doing that as well. You bet. We do it as a team and uh, it, it is an honor to do it. So, um, okay. Well, Mike, thank you so much for, you know, Mike's always a good sport, Greg. We start talking food. We talk <laughs> about massive, important issues across global supply chain. And then we wrap on things like uh, Veterans Day and some other things. So Mike. He's one of us. Whether you like it or not, not Mike. That's right. <laughs> so on that note, uh, Mike, how can folks connect with you and the Gartner team? LinkedIn, for sure. And uh, just feel free to send me an email, mike.griswold at gartner.com. Wonderful. Looking forward to what's next next month as we as we rapidly approach it in the year. Big thanks to our dear friend, the one and only Mike Griswold with Gartner. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you. He is just uh, as down to earth uh, on one side of the coin, but as rock solid, finger on the pulse, knows what is, um, you know, can always, he always delivers. He's, he's Mr. Consistent. Consistency, yeah. perhaps, Greg, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when I had a tech company, I worked a lot with Gartner analysts. I, I love working with Mike. And he is a hell of a golfer, by the way. He'll take money off of you on the other time. So I would always make him part of my team. But he's so knowledgeable. He's so, in so many ways, so far ahead of the curve on some of the things that we are talking about that are challenges today. Because he comes from retail, 
a lot of the problems that we see in manufacturing today have not yet been solved in manufacturing because manufacturing has so much higher margins than retail. Those things that have been solved can be adapted in many ways to manufacturing. And that's what he's attempting to do with his SNOP and SNOE initiatives is to take what's the best of manufacturing and draw it into retail and vice versa. Take the best techniques of retail and and push it up the chain to to manufacturing. So a lot of goodness. A lot of goodness. Absolutely. Okay. One other note. I don't have a link for this, uh, but Kevin L. Jackson, who is also a, a veteran, U.S. Navy veteran, former naval aviator, amongst other things, he's he is part of this effort. Project Vet, who's appeared on some of our show previously, they've got, yeah, you might remember this. They've got the the Veterans Bowl, the final, which is, is an esports championship, a way of engaging the veteran community, and it's really grown dramatically, Greg. And so, what we're looking at possibly doing, you don't even know this yet. I'm going to completely surprise you. So their final takes place at the Lonnie Johnson STEM Activity Center, which I got to find out where that is. Anyway, December 11th is their final. We're, we're, we're trying to find a way of live streaming. He, he's going to be there in person. We'll be interviewing some of the veterans taking place and, and beyond talking esports with them. We're going to be talking about some of the issues facing the veteran community. It's going to be just a really live, rumbling, tumbling, stumbling conversation. And uh, we hope to get that set up. And, and But in the meantime, be sure to check out Project Vet. I think you can still sign up if you're a veteran out there and you're in the esports. Check them out, P-R-J-K-T, Project Vet. And, and I think you can find them at projectvet.com. And if Allie, Amanda, or Jada can look that up really quick and drop it in the comments, that would be wonderful. Okay, Greg. How would was, you, let's just think about this, Scott. Yeah. How would you like to face a team of veterans playing Call of Duty? <laughs> right. Talk about starting starting out behind the eight ball, right? Yeah. Right. All the all the you're uh, already coordinated. Just imagine that a platoon decides to make themselves a, a you know a Call of Duty team. That's right. You know, as a lowly data analyst that I was, uh, hand signals uh, and, and you know working through streets, dangerous streets and whatnot, that was not part of what I did. So the first thing that comes to my mind, Greg, is the two tiger. I see two tiger tanks from Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, uh, oh, talk yeah. about a masterpiece, huh? Yeah. And it looks like we have got the link to Project Vet in the links. Thanks so much for doing that so quickly. Y'all check that out. They do a lot of great work. But this Veterans Bowl is really cool to, to engage our veterans that, you know, in this environment right now, you can be really disconnected and, and there's a lot of loneliness. So yeah. we got we to overcome that. Okay, Greg, your final, before I sign off, what was uh, one key thing? Think about everything that Mike Griswold shared here today on his monthly appearance here on Supply Chain Now. What was really one key thing that folks need to pay attention to? I think they need to pay attention to the fact that Gartner, while predominantly a technology analytics or analysis organization, is talking so much about people and the importance of people in in the workforce, in the workplace, and as part of a key, uh, you know, part of your keys to success in the workplace. I mean, they never ignored it. I just want to be clear on that. But that they are recognizing and highlighting how important the workforce and people in the processes of, of attempt of, of accomplishing everything that they, that Mike laid out here, how, how much in the forefront they put human beings. That's a critical thing for us to understand. We are headed for a lot of automation, right? Agreed. $20 jobs to, to flip burgers are not sustainable from a profit standpoint and therefore will be automated. So but there, but then what that the challenge that that presents is what do we do with people? And it, I think it goes to those unique gifts we talked about earlier, the ability to make those rapid decisions, right, with with very little or incorrect data that are highly meaningful. That is where we will position people in the future, and and I, that will be better for everyone. It allows yeah. human beings to do those things that are satisfying. So many people are dissatisfied with doing the physical, the mundane, the dangerous, right. The mind numbing, and you know, I think we're at a stage where we, where if we really focus our efforts, we can challenge human minds to do the things that they do and satisfy their human needs in the meantime. Well said, 
Very well said. Okay. So, folks, uh, thanks for being a part of our programming here today. Always a pleasure. Hey, join us on November 9th with our friends from Coupa. Join us on November 18th with our friends from Manhattan Associates. You'll find links to those in the show notes. On behalf of our entire team here, again, a big thanks to Amanda, Jed, and Allie behind the scenes making it happen today. Big thanks to Mike Griswold with Gartner for joining us. Big thanks to all the folks that showed up in the skyboxes and shared some comments and some questions today. On behalf of Greg White and our team, this is Scott Luton signing off for now. Hey, challenging you. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.